Welcome to Inspired by Faith, the program of the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference. I'm Michelle Family, and I'm joined each program in the studio with my friend Emily Jaminette. This is a show to help you be inspired by our Catholic faith, live out the gospel message, and deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope this show provides an uplifting 30 minutes to help refresh your soul and strengthen your faith. As it was born out of our friendship, we hope it encourages you to deepen and develop spiritual friendships with your sisters in Christ. Well, hello, Emily. Hello, hello. Conference is right around the corner. It is coming. I know. Time is going so quickly. I know. I like looked at the calendar today. I'm like, it's almost Thanksgiving. I know. It's almost Thanksgiving. And then it's Christmas. just, we, we go right into the mad dash. Um, but, but yet we got to slow down, right? We got to slow down. We got to get ready for spiritually prepared for what God has in store for us. And we ha- know that he has some amazing things in store for us at the February 17th, 2024 Columbus Catholic Women's Conference. It is going to be an amazing day. Our theme this year is This Wondrous Gift, and we are focusing on the Eucharist because we're in the middle of the National Eucharistic Revival. So we are really blessed to have one of our speakers with us today, who is one of the Eucharistic Revival preachers, Father Tim Anastas. So Father Tim is a priest of the Archdiocese of Chicago and the assistant chaplain at St. John Paul II Newman Center at the University of Illinois, Chicago. He serves as a Eucharistic preacher for the USCCB and is the host of Real Homilies on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Father Tim will be releasing his first book, Jesus, Make Me Fully Alive, 30 Holy Hour Reflections at the 2024 Columbus Catholic Women's Conference. So welcome, Father Tim. Wow, thank you so much for having me on. This is exciting. It's great to talk to you again. So my first question is, is real homilies on YouTube, does that replace going to Mass on Sunday? Because I have some college kids, and we just got to start right there, Father. What do you think? I mean, I... Well, yes, um, because I'm speaking in the name of Jesus. No, it does not replace Mass. Okay, it does not replace Mass, but it could be a supplemental. Is that is that how we're going to use this? It could totally be a supplemental, especially for those, including myself, that have a very short attention span, mm-hmm. and you just need a little nugget of truth from Jesus. Yes, absolutely. Totally can be a supplemental. I love that. We were just at our evangelization conference for the diocese, and our bishop was oh, talking wow. about the new... Um, the the new area of evangelization has to be the internet mm-hmm. like and right. i think you right. are doing really a phenomenal job and for people who don't know um real homilies are short one minute homilies that father tim does through spirit juice and they are super cool because he talks literally in one minute on the gospel message of that sunday but he also they also tie in really funny little cartoon or video scripts um little blurbs that pop in to kind of make you laugh make you smile but to remember the message. I mean, Father Tim, I right. stop. I stop when I, I stop scrolling when, when this comes on, because, <laughs> you know, as a mom, you know, we want to we want to present the gospel in the way that you do it. This this is working. Is that a good way to say it? This is working. This is hitting um, hitting all of us where all of us are. And that's on the Internet. Yeah. Praise God. Um, and that's that's the thing. Like the, any any medium, any social media or technology medium that gets information out there, it really is. It's like a morally neutral thing. Um, but like you can use it for really, really good stuff or you can use it for like bad, bad, evil things. So um, that's when I was in seminary, when I was in pre-theology at Mundelein Seminary, the rector at the time, the boss man, his name is Father Robert Barron. 
This is before he was Bishop Robert Barron. And so you know him. He's with him and Word on Fire and everything to do with evangelization through technology. He was ingraining in us that idea that, yeah, if like St. Paul, who was the greatest evangelist ever, if he was on the earth today, like in modern day, he would have totally used the Internet and all the algorithms to his advantage to be able to get Jesus' message out there. So. Well, yeah, I'm all for it. It is it is a gift. I can say that. I don't know about everyone else, but usually um the morning before mass is not usually a real pleasant one in my house because there's usually like fight about what my kids are wearing and they want right. to wear their jeans and their short shorts and like we get in the car and we're running late and I'm angry. So like and I pop it in, it's like everyone is like silent and then they listen and they're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like changes the attitude <laughs> of everybody in the car, like, hey, like we're here to get ready to go to mass, right? Like this is right. this is a big way to just kind of open that door, um, and it's one minute. Like you can get even your snottiest teenager to listen to something for one minute, Praise <laughs> God. especially when they're and trapped in the car. Yeah, <laughs> that's so beautiful because I just I didn't even think about that. That if you're going to mass, the real homily for that Sunday is about that Sunday's gospel. Mm-hmm. So already this your kids are like getting familiar with what the deacon or the priest is going to preach about, which is be- yeah, that's awesome. I mean, Father Tim, we, a lot of us just go to battle before we even get there. Like, we're tired, you know, (laughs) when we get to the Mass. (laughs) Michelle just described the life of uh, Catholic motherhood for a lot of us. But it's so important. Mass is is the highlight, the the source and summit. And so I love that you put such an emphasis on that, but in a really creative, positive way. What, What are some of the things that have inspired you, or where do you go for your inspiration I mean, to continue to put these out um, each week. Yeah, thanks for asking. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just, um, I always pray before even writing anything down. I usually do, um, yeah, a, a few holy hours where I'm thinking about those different gospel readings for whatever Sunday I'm preparing. Um, and praise God. I mean, I think it's, one, I think it's the Lord has used my... Um, my humanness and my tendency towards binge-watching TV shows and movies and um, pop culture things, to, to use it for His glory, because especially when I was in college and um, even in seminary, the way that I would decompress is to just, like, go online or watch a show or a movie. Um, and the Lord is now, as I've gotten to know Him and get to know His heart more, I'm able to see, like, his goodness and truth and beauty even in, you know, shows and movies and whatever's on the Internet. Um, so, yeah, the Lord is so good. He's using my laziness almost to be able to proclaim his word. That's awesome. Now, Father Tim, I know last time when we had you on, you shared a little bit about your faith journey, but I know we've got new listeners this time around. So can you just give a little glimpse of your your, your, your faith journey and um, and your vocation journey? Yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah, I would love to. Um, I Basically, I grew up Catholic, raised Catholic. I have an awesome mom, awesome dad who um, really identified as Catholic. But in grade school and even in high school, I... I didn't really take the faith for my own. I knew, I knew God existed. I knew He was good. I knew that He loved me, but I didn't really think that I needed some kind of personal relationship with Him. I didn't really know what it meant to be 
actually be Catholic. Um, and so it wasn't until college. I went to the University of Illinois down in Champaign um, and um, got involved with the Newman Center there. Freshman year, I went on a retreat because <laughs> because of a girl. Uh, and uh, she just I had a huge crush on her, and she was going on this year retreat. So I went with her. And, oh, my gosh, the Lord totally used that because I went to confession for the first time in, like, six or seven years. And, man, Jesus just got rid of so much crap, so much just disgustingness from my heart. And after he got rid of all that, he was really able to work um, in my heart, that I was free from all those things, all those sins. Um, at, the, at the retreat, the same retreat, I recognized Jesus for the first time in the Eucharist ever. Like, it was the first time where I, like, truly believed that Jesus was present in the Eucharist. Um, and so my faith journey, my, my calling to the priesthood, it was all rooted very sacramentally um, in the sacraments. And so I went through college, went through those four years, like, trying to fight against, like, living a worldly life but also living a life centered in Jesus. Um, and it wasn't until around my senior year when um, I had a wonderful girlfriend at the time. I just got offered a job uh, with the FBI to work with them. Um, I was studying linguistics and Arabic at the time, and they wanted, they, I guess they wanted me. And so in my heart, though, Everything that the world says, like, this is what will make you happy. Amazing girlfriend, awesome job where you can, you know, save the world as an FBI agent. Like, everything that the world says, this will make you happy, it was just totally empty. And very, very St. Augustine-like, where St. Augustine says, my heart will be restless until it rests in you. I just was so restless. And what the world is saying will make me happy, it was... It was just empty for me. And so I knew that Jesus was the only thing that was going to fulfill me. And so I said yes to the priesthood. Um, and like it's been all, basically the beginning of a love story ever since. And I'm just falling deeper and deeper in love with him every year that I've been able to serve him as a priest. So, yeah, God is good. Amen. I love that story. And I, um, I have to tell... The story about carrying Jesus, though. I know I listened to that pod, our podcast last time like 10 times because I loved how you shared about bringing back the Eucharist. Um, can you share that little oh tiny story? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Wow, you have a great memory. <laughs> yeah, so uh, th- as I said, my vocation story was very Eucharistic-centered, um, that the more and more I just wanted to spend time with Jesus, especially in the Eucharist, that this was like the the greatest gift that I didn't realize was a gift. Um, And in my senior year in in college, every semester we would have what's called Mass on the Grass, where it would be, we would celebrate Mass on the big quad area at University of Illinois. And there would be focused missionaries there, um, like giving people, like sharing and evangelizing and explaining to people what was going on on the quad and, yeah, there would be hundreds of people at Mass just in this public area. Um, I had the opportunity to serve, to altar serve at the Mass. And at the end of Mass, the priest at the time, he had leftover Jesus, leftover Eucharist, and the Soborn that 
we needed to bring back to the tabernacle at the Newman Center. And so he asked me to come with him to bring Jesus back. And so we're walking to his car. He's holding the ciborium filled with Jesus, filled with the Eucharist. And we get back to his car, um, and he turns to me, and he says just a very, very simple phrase, but this phrase just reverberated in my heart. It just struck me like a sword. And um, Father said to me, Tim, will you hold our Lord for me? Tim, will you hold our Lord for me? And I remember hearing that and like just being very struck by the fact that I'm about to hold the Lord. And so he gave me Jesus. I'm holding him. We get in his car. Uh, we're driving back to the Newman Center. I'm not saying anything. He's not saying anything because Jesus is just there with us. And I'm holding the Lord, and that phrase is repeating in my heart, will you hold our Lord for me? Will you hold our Lord for me? And I just had this image of, of holding him in the Eucharist as a priest. Um, every single Mass, the priest holds God, holds the Lord. And just thinking about that was the thing that was totally fulfilling my heart, that all that those feelings of emptiness with the FBI, with um, just my life, um, was being fulfilled by holding Jesus in the Eucharist. So I, I made a fiat. I, I said yes. I said yes to the Lord in that moment, in the car, holding Jesus, that, yes, Jesus, I want, I want to hold you in the Eucharist. I want, I want to be your priest. Um, and very, very often, like, as I celebrate Mass, I think back to that moment because it was such a, yeah, it was a precious moment for me and the Lord. So beautiful. I just absolutely love that story. And it's such a gift for all, you know, our listeners to hear that. If you, you know, have young men considering the priesthood, just that beautiful gift of how God touches, reaches out and touches you in your, in that vocation call. So so beautiful. Now, Father Tim, I had another question for you. I um, was at this conference this weekend and I was, the priest showed this icon on the screen and it was of the resurrection and it said Anastasis or Anastasis. <laughs> and I was like, hey, that's kind of like Father Tim's name. And I Googled it. I'm like, so your name means resurrection. Is that, am I right? Wow. Yes, it does. That is, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. There's a story behind this too that, um, man, when I was young, uh, I had, I have a big family, and so I have a lot of cousins. And one of the closest cousins um, to me in age, she's awesome, but she was kind of a bully when we were kids. <laughs> and she would kind of beat me up, even though I was bigger than her. I don't know how she did that. But um, one of the things that she would make fun of with me was um, my last name, Anastas. Anastas um, is obviously Greek, but she would always say that Anastas came from the Greek word Thanatos, Thanatos, which means death. Like if you've ever seen any of the Marvel movies, Thanos is like the bad guy. Thanos means death. Um, and so uh, I always thought from, man, from grade school till college, um, I thought the last name, Anastos, came from the Greek word Thanatos. But it wasn't until seminary when I was studying Greek where I came across the word, and we studied it especially in the Gospel of John, Anastasis, um, Anastasis, which means resurrection. Um, and obviously, and even talking to my grandpa, like my last name, Anastos, comes from that Greek word, Anastasis, 
um, which means resurrection. And so it was this beautiful, just redeeming moment for me and for my heart that I don't know why my grandpa never told me that this was our, what our last name meant. Um, but it was so redeeming to know that, oh my gosh, I get to, like in a very special way, try to live the resurrection. Um, so yeah, and then fast forward, um, when I was a deacon, I got to do my retreat before becoming a priest in the Holy Land. And in the Holy Land, there's a really special place called the Holy Sepulchre, where um, is the, literally the site of the resurrection, where Jesus' body um, was laid, and then where he rose. And so you go into the Holy Sepulchre, and you go into this little small chapel that like one person can fit in, where the body of Jesus laid. Um, and you go in, and of course, Jesus is not there. It's an empty tomb. And as you go in, um, right in front of um, right in front of the marble stone where the body of Jesus was, um, is the Greek words um, "anastasis" resurrection. Um, it says "Christos anastasis," so like Christ is risen. And just seeing my last name like right there in Greek um, was mind blowing. And it's just in a way like with Jesus, I just told him, like, Jesus, I want to live your resurrection for my whole priesthood, just for my whole life. I want to be, as much as I can, just a, a witness of, like, your victory over death. So thanks for bringing that up. That's that's crazy that you made the connection between the Greek name and my last name. That was, When I saw that, I'm like, that's the coolest thing ever. Like, you're, I feel like your messages are so full of hope, mm-hmm. and that's what the resurrection is, so that that is your name is so fitting and, and so beautiful. Well, and you're willing to go into the darkness, right? And and the, the Internet does have some dark corners, mm, but you're right. willing to, to bring Christ's light and in a way in which a lot of people are hearing the gospel for the first time, you know, mm, like right. in these reels, yeah. you're, you're presenting truth. We're not watering it down. So it's like cotton candy. And it's like, I don't really know what that meant. Like you're, you're hitting the core of our hearts with, with this work that you're doing uh, on the internet. And of course um, the work you're doing in, in not on the internet. I don't, I don't want to say not in reality, but right, right in day to day life. So I, I think that's, that's a really beautiful story. I see a, a spirit juice. I see a real homily yeah, for, I, for I, Easter too. coming out of that story. Oh, <laughs> Inspired totally. by faith. Inspired idea. by faith. I, yeah. We're here for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about you. You're um, one of the Eucharistic preachers for the National Eucharistic Revival. And, you know, I Googled, when you Googled your name for your bio, like, I see you're speaking lots of places about, about the Eucharist. So how has that that experience been and what's been the faithful's response to this message? Yeah, it's been incredible and such an honor and a privilege to be, to go around with 49 other priests from around the country and talk about the Eucharist. I mean, one, because my whole vocation is rooted in the Eucharist. That's like one of my favorite things to talk about is Jesus in the real presence. Um, and it's funny that you should bring it up because a couple of days ago I was helping out at a parish around here in Chicago, and there was a group. There's about five or six um, kind of old ladies, very very wonderful old ladies who came up to me after mass, but they were kind of distraught just with the state of the church and what they see and what they witness at their own parish, like lack of young people being engaged at mass. Um, and they were just worried that are people just not believing and not having any faith in the real presence of the Eucharist anymore? And 
as soon as they were sharing this in my heart and in my mind, I was thinking about all the places that I've been um, for these Eucharistic revivals, these diocesan Eucharistic revivals. And all I see is that hope and like inc- hundreds of thousands of people coming out to grow in their love and devotion to the greatest gift that we've been given, the Eucharist. And so just being able to share it with these five old ladies was, um, I don't know, it brought me in my own heart so much encouragement. And hopefully I encourage them, showing them, yeah, you may not see it where you are right now, but I get to see it um, all the time. I get to see the, the hope that the American Church really does um, have faith in the Eucharist, and there really is a revival going on. Um, a couple months ago, I had the awesome opportunity to do a Eucharistic revival in um, Orange County, California, and it was an entire young adult um, Eucharistic revival, grassroots, led by these um, few young adults who had so many connections in a lot of dioceses. Um, throughout Orange County, so Diocese of San Bernardino, San Diego, um, Los Angeles, um, Orange County. And it wasn't sponsored by any diocese or any any bishop. It was just totally grassroots from the young adults that they desired this. Um, and seeing just 500, 600 young adults from California, a lot of them like surfers and, you know, kind of hippie-ish, um, California, Orange County people, but they had an absolute love for the Eucharist, and they wanted to, they wanted to grow in their devotion, which is so cool. Um, there was a Mass the day before the Eucharistic revival there, where there was Mass on the beach. I think it was, I think it was somewhere near San Diego. Um, and then I get a call a couple weeks later from one of the young adults letting me know that they were banned from celebrating Mass there ever again. Um, and they were banned from celebrating Mass because they, like the 400, 500 people who showed up for the Mass caused such a disturbance in the town that none of the businesses had any business for that day because of the Mass on the beach, that none of the beachfront um, properties got any business, and they lost money. And so they petitioned to the whoever, the mayor or whatever, just not to have, like, they're not allowed to have math there anymore. And when I heard that, I was so excited. I was like, I was pumped because here are these young people who actually changed the culture and caused, caused a change in something. Like, when we get together with our faith and with our devotion, the world can change. So it got me excited. Yeah, even though they were banned, there, there was a testament to their faith. That's exciting. Like, when you said that, you know, I... Oh, Catholics getting banned for going to Mass. Like, whoa. <laughs> but with that, you know, I think we can touch on your your new book, Jesus Makes Me Fully Alive. And I, mm-hmm. I, I can't wait to read it. I mean, you have the endorsement from Bishop Barron. Uh, Bishop um, Cousins um, wrote the foreword. Tell us about this new book, because we are in the season of pre-order. Yeah, which is crazy to think about. Um, if you ask me... Like, even a year ago, if I was even capable of writing that many words, I would have not believed it. Um, So praise God for the Holy Spirit. And, yeah, I mean, the inspiration happened about a year ago when, um, at the beginning of the year, there was this desire from my students here at the Newman Center to be more alive. 
Um, I remember one of the first days being on campus, and all of these students were walking around. I was with a few of the missionaries, and we were looking out at the quad, and one of the missionaries, Daniel, he said to me, he whispered, he was like, I see dead people. And it was, it was like all these zombies walking around, hood up, earbuds in, just like not paying attention to anything in the world and just living kind of this half-life. And the students at the Newman Center were experiencing that too, that they wanted to be more alive. And the closer that they were getting to, to the Lord and to Jesus through the retreats at the Newman Center, through um, Holy Hour and Adoration that we have every day, the more and more alive they were becoming. Um, and so that became a theme for the whole year. Um, and just desiring to, like, the more and more they're growing in a relationship with Jesus, especially through making a holy hour and especially through adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, the more and more they're becoming alive and being able to change um, the hearts of their friends. And just, like, the thing that happened in Orange County, just literally changing, changing things. Um, so the book is basically 30 days uh, reflections that can help you in your holy hour, because one of the things that we've found here at the Newman Center, at least, is that um, young people want to learn how to pray, and young people actually want to spend time away from their phones, away from social media, and just be with the Lord. And so ho- the holy hour, the idea of a holy hour, has become really, really popular um, with college kids. Father Jim, I hate to, I'm, we're excited too, and I hate to cut you off because I want to hear more about this, no, but we are at the end of our show, so could you um, close us in prayer really quickly here? Oh, wow, yeah, of course. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks, we give you praise for just all of your uh, beautiful sons and daughters who are listening to this podcast. I just beg you as a father to ask you to send your Holy Spirit upon them, um, and to really take away anything that is not from you, anything that is um, lessening their identity as sons and daughters. And through you, and through your grace, and through your perfect love, that they may be fully alive in you. Jesus, continue to pursue and run after every single person who is listening to this podcast and shed your perfect love upon them. And may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us on Inspired by Faith. We hope you are blessed and inspired by this episode. To find out more about the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference, visit columbuscatholicwomen.com. And to order Father Tim Anastas' new book, visit AveMariaPress.com. <laughs>